Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk. David, uh, David is the associate vicar here. He is an all-round legend. He is a trumpet player. Who was surprised that David could play the trumpet? Yes, let's give him a round of applause. And um, as we launch our series, mate, can I just pray for you as you share with us? Yeah. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for this man. I thank you for the blessing that he is to this church. I thank you for the gifts that you have given him. And Lord, as he unpacks the scriptures um, this morning, Lord, give us ears to hear what you are saying through him. And may you bless him and anoint him for what he's about to do. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. All right, good morning, everybody. Um, I wonder if you've ever come up, come up with a, a harebrained scheme before. You know, it's one of those ideas that you usually come up with in the comfort of your own home. Maybe you're, you're having a cup of tea, or maybe you're down the pub with your mates. You're getting a bit carried away, and you go, I know what would be really good to do. I'm going to do this ridiculously stupid thing. It sounds great, doesn't it, in the comfort of the, of the pub or in your own home. But then when it comes to the reality the hard, cold reality of daylight, and you come to do this thing, you realize it's a pretty daft idea. Well, friends, I want to tell you this morning, I have lived out one of my harebrained schemes. I'm actually a bit of a sucker for a harebrained scheme. Um, it was back in, back in 2012. Cast your mind back to 2012. It was the year of the London Olympics. Spirits were high. Optimism was high. And so Muggins here thought, you know what? I'm going to get involved in a little bit of that. And uh, I came up with this idea and uh, I'm not even sure where it came from, really. But I came up with this idea that I was going to cycle and run the entire length of Great Britain from the north coast of Scotland, from John O'Groats, all the way down to the southern tip of England, uh, Land's End in Cornwall. So I was going to do that. Not only was I going to do that, though, because I thought, oh, that's just a bit too easy in the comfort of my own home. I thought, oh, you know what, I'm going to do it solo. I'm going to do this on my own. And, um, and so I was, I was kind of preparing away. The week before I set off, it was late May and the weather was good. In fact, my, my brother, my eldest brother, he, was, he happened to be up on holiday up on the very north coast of Scotland. And there was a heat wave at the end of, end of May. It was 30 degrees, which like never happens up on the north coast and definitely not in May. A week later, I set off on my trip. The weather has broken. Uh, when I say it's broken, it's broken in a big way. So I get up to uh, the northern tip of Scotland, and um, the weather had turned. And uh, if you go up to John O'Groats, what you'll see is this like massive giant signpost. I don't know if any of you have seen pictures of it. There's one at Land's End as well. It's, it's really helpful, John O'Groats. It tells you which way Land's End is, so you don't need to do any navigation. It goes, it's that way, and it's like 900 miles or whatever it is. And so I'm, I'm stood by this kind of start post uh, in an absolute gale. And there's wind, there's rain, I'm absolutely freezing cold. And for some reason, I've decided to wear shorts and also a laser-thin waterproof, which wasn't waterproof, and it didn't have a hood. I mean, 
who, who buys a waterproof without a hood? Only me. Okay. So, uh, so there I am. And this guy comes up to me on his bike. He's actually come up, turns out, he's come up all the way from Land's End and he's finishing off. And I'm, I'm stood there. And I thought, oh yeah, he's going to come and fist pump me. He's going to say, yeah, come on, man. You can do this. Set off on this awesome journey. And he points at my clothing and, uh, and he just says to me, you're going to freeze to death. Put some trousers on. And this fella, he was absolutely right. Day after day after day, it rained, it was cold, it was windy. It actually snowed twice on me in June. I kid you not. I was absolutely freezing a lot of the time. Little did I know, I was about to spend four weeks outside in our beautiful country during what turned out to be the wettest June on record. It was miserable. But you know what? The worst part wasn't the weather. The hardest part was because I had decided to do this on my own. For a lot of it, I was just desperately lonely. I didn't have, I didn't have people to talk to. Actually, there were people to talk to. There were lots of people around. I would stop and talk to cyclists, to, to runners. If you're in a campsite, you talk to someone, you go into a shop, you maybe go into a pub, you get talking to people. But in a sense, those meetings with people, they were fleeting. They didn't last long. They were, they were actually like transactional relationships. I would just go into a shop. There you go. There's the money. Take the food. Small talk. And then one morning, uh, I actually ran out of food. I was in South Wales, just north of the Brecon Beacons. I had a big day ahead. And um, I, didn't, I didn't have any food for breakfast. And the nearest shop was 10 miles in the opposite direction. And I really, really didn't want to go, in, go like 10 miles out of my own direction. So I was lying in my one-man tent. And just on my pillow, I prayed a really, really simple prayer. I said, God, I'm hungry would you provide me some breakfast? Can I be honest with you? It was the least faith-filled prayer I think I have ever prayed. Anyway, I kind of get dressed, I unzip my tent, and, uh, and I poke my head out into this campsite. And there's hardly anyone on the campsite. But there's this one guy, and he shouts across to me, he goes, good morning, mate, how you doing? I was like, yeah. He goes, would you like an egg butty? I was like, would I? <laughs> And so, uh, so he actually, he, honestly, he's cooking away and he makes me this egg sandwich and he brings me a cup of tea and he just feeds me. And you know, I love that God answered my simple, not very faith-filled prayer. But if I'm brutally honest with myself, in that moment, I was very much treating God like the people I had met on the journey, like small talk, a simple, just quick hello transactional. God, if you do this for me, then that would be amazing. And sadly, for many years, I treated God like that. I don't know if that's been your experience, but it was for me. I loved him. I know that God loved me too. I mean, it says so in the Bible. So I knew he loved me, but I acted, I acted more like he was like a heavenly Santa Claus. God, what, what are the things that, that you can provide for me? And I wonder if you've ever found yourself treating God like this. Maybe you don't speak to him much. But then you turn and you say, God, help me. 
I'm in trouble. God, help me. I'm hungry. God, help me. I need this thing or I need this person in my life. And if you do that for me, then I will do X, Y, and Z. That's a little caveat we like to add on the end sometimes. Don't know if you do that. I do. God, if you help me, I'll do X, Y, and Z. You know what? My kids treat me a bit like that. They come up to me, Daddy, Daddy, uh, can I have the iPad for half an hour? If, if, if you give it to me, I'll, I'll, I'll make you breakfast. I'll do the washing up. I'll be the perfect child that you always dreamed of. And so I say, uh, yeah, well, why don't you do those things first? And uh, never works. But you know what? I don't mind my kids asking me for stuff. I'm the dad and, and I love them. I want what's good for them. But I'm also not just a transactional being. And neither are you. And neither is God. They don't have to try and be the perfect kids. In my eyes, they're, they're perfect anyway. I mean, they're little monsters as well. But, but I love them. They are. They're perfect. I'm their dad. And, and I want the relational stuff. I want to talk to them. I want to, want to have a hug. I want to kind of mess around and spend time with them. And you know what? That's how God wants to relate to you. It's one of the most fantastic things and realities that you can ever live out, that God wants to treat you and he sees you as his child. And he just wants you to treat him like your heavenly dad. And just so you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with those asking prayers. In fact, God, God welcomes them. Like in the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to have a look at in a moment, Jesus teaches his disciples and us to pray, give us today our daily bread. He wants us to pray for our everyday needs. And in the book of James, the Apostle James, who's, who's like Jesus' brother, he says, well, you don't have stuff because you don't ask. And then he gives the caveat. He says, and when you do ask, you ask with the wrong motive. So ask with the right motive. In other words, again from the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. But God loves it when we ask. And today we're kicking off this series called Pray. And you know what? I can't wait for it. Because I think we're going to learn so much together. Tim introduced the series a moment ago, talking about how as, as a church we want to go higher, deeper, and wider. If we want to go higher into the presence of God, then guess what? We can learn to do that. We can learn to pray. It might sound strange to you that actually prayer is something you can learn about. It, it kind of feels in our minds that it should be something that is just natural. But we can actually learn how to pray. Just like how you learn how to build up a muscle, you can do also in prayer. But here's the thing that I want to say to you this morning. If your relationship with God is stuck in the transactional, don't worry. Because I believe there's good news. I believe there's so, so, so much more for you to experience of who Jesus is. Before we get into the scripture, let me explain what I mean by that. I want to take you back to my trip. 
Because a couple of weeks in, there was one day in particular I was absolutely dreading. I was cycling from Cheshire across to Colwyn Bay in North Wales. And the roads through there are not only steep and hilly, they're also notoriously like bad surfaces and, uh, and very dangerous roads. And not only that, I was at this really low ebb and was very lonely at this time. So I really wasn't looking forward to this day, and I knew it was going to be a big day. And I was kind of settling down to sleep, and uh, my phone pings, and I got a text message from a mate of mine called Phil. And, uh, and Phil said, David, I'm in the area. I'd love to come and join you on the bike ride tomorrow. And you know what? It, my, my spirit lifted like that. Something in my mind just shifted. And all of a sudden, because I was going to have company, because I was going to have friendship, this like joy welled up within me. And I said, of course, Phil, I'd love you to join me. And can I tell you the most beautiful truth about prayer? Prayer is a lot less like those transactional relationships of the, the people who I met on the way and more like the relationship I had with my friend Phil. He said, you know what? I just want to be with you, and I just want to spend time with you. You know, Pete Gregg, who's the, he's the founder of 24-7 Prayer, he says, prayer is not a transaction. It is a relationship. And if there's one thing we can take away from this whole series right at the beginning, if there's only one thing you learn and you take it from your mind into your heart, it is that. That prayer is not a transaction. It's a relationship. So if you'd like to open your Bibles, if you've got them with you, if you haven't, don't worry, the words are going to come up on the screen. We're in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 5. So this is Jesus teaching his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corner to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the, the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Did you recognize that bit? For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Friends, I can't cover all of that passage this morning. There's so, so much in there. I want to encourage you to go away, look at that passage. There's loads of great resources, especially on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the prayer course 24-7 Prayer Do is, is wonderful, and we, we run it here kind of on a, usually on an annual basis. But 
here's what I want to do this morning. If there's one word you could use to distill this whole teaching on prayer from Jesus, it's this. The word Father. Now, we know from elsewhere uh, in the New Testament that Jesus spoke uh, a language called Aramaic. Now, most of the rest of the New Testament is actually written in Greek. But there are several occasions in the New Testament that the word for Father is retained in the Aramaic. And the word in Aramaic is Abba. And interestingly, the only times that it is retained in the Aramaic in the New Testament is when it's talking about prayer. And we know that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed the word Abba. And he taught his disciples to pray to their heavenly father, their Abba. The word Abba means father. It's actually much more intimate than that. It's quite a hard word to translate. The closest translation is daddy, but it's even closer and more intimate than the word daddy. It's very familiar. And I believe that you can distill the whole of the Lord's Prayer into this one word, Abba. Because what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples here is that they can have intimacy with God. Now that's a bold claim. That's a revolutionary game changer. Think of the other way in which we relate to God. We relate to him as the creator. Because he created us and he created everything. Imagine how powerful God is for a moment. Imagine, I would just maybe even close your eyes. Imagine the moment of creation. Science has shown us that right at the beginning, there was this singularity which was minuscule, which contained everything which is in the, in the, in the universe. Humor me for a moment. Touch the end of your nose. That point on the end of your nose at the beginning of creation, science hypothesizes that that point was in contact with every single other point in the universe. It was condensed into this singularity. And then God spoke. Creation happened. Imagine the power, the force of of every star, every sun, every planet which was created in that moment. We can't get our minds around it, can we? And that's the creator God. Imagine then the disciples in the Gospels. We hear this account that they're on this boat with Jesus, who we know is the creator of all things, all-powerful. And they're on this boat on the Sea of Galilee, and there's this massive storm that's brewed. Jesus is having a kip because he's tired, okay? He's tired, he's sleeping. But this storm brews and the disciples are absolutely terrified because they think that the boat is going to sink. And so they wake Jesus up and they say, Jesus, don't you see what's going on? And he just wakes up and he commands as the creator the waves and the wind to be still. And in that moment, they cease. And it says that the disciples were absolutely terrified of him. And they were questioning, who on earth is this man? Years later, they were to find out he was the creator of everything. 
But then imagine, he's teaching them in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, when you pray, pray these words. Call that creator God your Abba. Because he is your heavenly dad. This creator is all powerful. You can have an intimate, life-changing relationship with him. And friends, Father God, our Abba, he's not like any earthly father. And in this room, some of us will have had good experiences of fatherhood, bad experiences of fatherhood, maybe absent fathers. But he's not like any of them. He is good. You can trust him. And he wants an intimate relationship with you. And so Jesus says to his disciples, when you meet with this Abba, your father, go into your room alone, shut the door. You can trust him and you can go into that secret place with him and share your deepest secret. You can share everything from your heart because you know what? He already knows. In fact, he knows what you need before you even ask. Isn't that amazing? Prayer is not a transaction, friends. It is a relationship. And so why do so many of us struggle with prayer? Why do we remain in the transactional rather than the relational? Well, I wonder if you've ever been excited about something and then someone has shot you down. You know, years ago, I was, I was leading a church and uh, I decided we were going to do a series of talks on prayer, like the one we're about to do. And um, we were going to cover some great ideas and areas. I was excited about the series. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give a heads up to someone I trust. And so I went to this lady in the church, like a really godly woman. And if I'm honest, I was probably looking for a bit of affirmation, telling her about this. Oh, David, that sounds like such a wonderful idea of a series. Everyone's going to absolutely love it. And so I went up to her and I told her. And the, the, the sound that came out of her mouth was, ooh. No, that sounds awful. Please don't do a series on prayer. That's what she said to me. I mean, don't hide your disappointment from me, will you? I couldn't believe it. But you know, years later, I understand her reaction. Because pastors like me had, had kind of done these prayer series before. And really, we'd done them from quite broken places. It was definitely my experience. I was coming to it from a, I wouldn't have been able to describe it at the time, but I was coming at it from a place of both pride and fear. My heart was filled with pride. I thought that people could do better. They could do more. They could pray more, spend more time in prayer. I also had this underlying fear that my prayers were a bit naff, and maybe someone else's prayers could actually make all the difference and be more effective. And you know what? That's even coming from a place where I've seen some incredible answers to prayer. But friends, I've also had some big disappointments. And that can foster a fear in us when we've been disappointed. And both pride and fear can block an intimate relationship with the Father. You know, one of the most heartbreaking 
stories I ever heard was, um, it was someone who I, I met on a campsite actually, and I got chatting to him over a beer and around a campfire, you know, like you do. Those moments kind of bring stuff out, don't they? And he was telling me, that he found out that I was a vicar. I love people's reactions when they find that out. What? Anyway, we got talking. He told me he'd been a Christian for the first 16 years of his life. He'd been brought up in a brethren church. And, uh, and he loved the Lord. And he was going all guns. And then his dad got ill. And uh, he prayed. And he prayed for his dad. And when he was 17... His father died. And he said it absolutely broke him. It just killed it for him. And he turned his back on faith. He decided it just wasn't real. And friends, that fear, that disappointment, it can break that intimacy with the Father. The pride that we have in our hearts. And if you've got pride in your heart, unfortunately you won't know it. It's the hardest thing to see. One of the best ways is that you see pride in other people and it drives you crazy. But you won't be able to see it. And so if we want to come into a place of intimacy with the Lord, we've got to be honest with ourselves. Do we come in it from a place of pride or fear? Pride and fear are what keep us from a life-giving, intimate relationship with God. You know, Jesus points this out. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who are filled with pride and they pray on the street corners for everyone to see. And likewise, when you pray, don't be like the pagans who babble away at the same prayers again and again and again because they're so fearful that they're not going to be heard. But instead, go into your room, into the secret place, the place of intimacy with your Abba Father, and pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Friends, as we begin to think about prayer together over the coming weeks, I just want to assure you, Our approach is not condemnation. Our approach, it's not fear. Our approach isn't pride. And I just pray that each of us would just open our hearts and just be ready for the Holy Spirit to just come in and invade our lives. Because you know what? I've seen it happen. It's happened in my life. He invades your heart. He'll come in, he'll break it. And when he does that, he'll soften you. And the life-giving relationship that you can have with him is like no other. So if you're ready to go on this journey together over the next few weeks, I wonder if you just open your soul to the Lord right now. And just be honest with him. And in a moment, I'm going to pray for us. But just where you're sat, you might want to close your eyes. And just pray the words quietly, Lord, teach me to pray.
friends, if you can be open and willing, I am convinced that you'll see life come to your heart and to your soul. Shall we stand together? Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week.